Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast with my parents, Clark and Bobby. We'll talk about the Bible and the Holy Spirit adventures. Thanks for listening. Hey, everybody. Happy Friday. What's up? We are with you this Friday, wherever you are, in your car, on your way to work, on your lunch breaks. Um, Yeah, we're with you. Matthew chapter 28, the last chapter of Matthew. And something struck me in this. You I th- you kind of tricked me because you were like, yeah, we're doing Matthew chapter 28. And I thought, are you sure there's 28 chapters? Or was there only 27? And then hasn't that happened before? Or maybe I told you the story. One time when I grew up, that happened. There was like an adult Bible study that always happened before church back where I grew up. And it happened uh, while the kids were in Sunday school. And the, the pastor was like, hey, we're going to uh, do a Bible study on Matthew chapter 29. And did anybody catch it? Everybody was like, oh, okay, sounds good. Sounds good. Or like he started, maybe that's what it was. He he was like, hey guys, raise your hand if you were able to read Matthew chapter 29 today. <laughs> and so a few people <laughs> raised their hand like, oh, okay, great. And then they started like flipping open their Bible and was like, oh, there's you only 27. That's what we call lying. Anyway, it was just a funny little, you know, it's it was just I think they're all in their 60s and 70s. It made me laugh, made them laugh. Yeah, that's but. funny. I've said this before, but I love those street interviews, like from like the late night oh, shows where they'll go yeah. interview people and be like, hey, like, so what do you think about the the latest election of this political leader? And it, it didn't happen. And the people want to look like they know what's going on. So like, oh, yeah, that person's policy with the, the cheese factory, like that, that's going to be a game changer. And this stuff's not know. even real, but people want to look like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, the best one, we've talked about this before on the podcast, the best one that we've seen is, hey, so do you eat gluten-free? Oh, yeah, that one cracks me up. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, gluten, totally gluten. terrible. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. So do you have celiac disease? Well. What? What's that? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Wait, okay. Oh, okay. So you don't. Okay. But wait, what is gluten? Yeah. And they're like, well, Crickets. you know, it's the bread and yeah, like <laughs> anyway. That'd be like, oh, I would love that job. Just to go around and mess with people. And you would. I feel like you do that anyway. I do do that anyway. Yeah. But I just don't get paid for it. <laughs> Maybe I do. <laughs> Come to Young Adults on Tuesday night. You'll see. You guys, we actually do have a lot to talk about again, mm-hmm. just because this is like the hugest, most important, biggest piece of history ever in the world on the death and resurrection of jesus christ and we're going to talk about that very thing today let's talk let's do it okay cool the resurrection um (laughs) in all four gospels because it is very important the old testament points forward to it and here we're reading from matthew's account that Mm -hmm. this really happened Mm mm-hmm and so Bobby and I were talking before we, you know, hit record and we're looking back at like the pillar moments of this story and like how this should give us hope today and how it also mm. should prove that this really happened. Right. Because if you're talking to someone who's not a Christian, they're not a Christian because they don't believe this happened. Exactly. So why should we believe this really happened? Yep. And the first thing we can kind of go back and forth here, kick it back and forth is that Jesus really died on the cross. Mm-hmm. Like there's no debate about that. There's a guy named Jesus. No one debates that he really died. You have Christians, you have non-Christians, you have historians all saying this really happened. Right. That there was a man, his name was Jesus. He yep. did die publicly on a cross. That's like fact. Yeah. Straight up. So then they put him in a tomb. Also but, fact. But, yeah. but, <laughs> oh yes. The but tomb was empty. The tomb was empty. <laughs> 
The tomb is empty. <laughs> After <folks>. they put him in. <laughs> yep, the tomb is it empty. Is. Now, I want to break this next part down. Why it's important that you know it's empty because a few things happened. One, the Christians here then get the testimony of women. And while this is so mm-hmm. absurd mm-hmm. at that time is because women couldn't go to court unless they were going to get in trouble or stoned or they were going to be on the wrong end of a divorce. It was right. terrible how they were mm-hmm. treated. So messed up and so wrong. But here's the deal. If you and I are conjuring up a lie, we're going to get right. the most reliable witnesses possible. Mm-hmm. Someone that is you know, educated and articulate and has a good reputation. And instead, Jesus first appears to the women, mm-hmm. which again connects to like his whole ministry. It's who he's looking out for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the fact that the church goes back to, hey, the Marys mm-hmm. were there and they're the first ones to really evangelize and say hey, Jesus Christ is resurrected is a big deal. But here's the deal. Not only did the Marys and the disciples know that the tomb was empty. If you mm-hmm. read in Matthew 28 today, verses like 11 through, call it 15, it's like <laughs> the first conspiracy theory ever mm-hmm. because the religious leaders also admitted that right. the tomb was empty. Or why would they have to make up a story? Right. Why would you have to pay people off and make up this lie, which is what Clark's talking about in verses 11 through 15, if the body was still in the tomb? Because then you would just say, no, dude, he's there. Yeah. Verse 12 literally (laughs) says, when the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you're to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away Mm -hmm. while we were asleep. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay, so there really is no body. The mm-hmm. tomb really is empty. Mm-hmm. But it gets better. Right, because he doesn't just show up to, you know, a few people. He shows up to, I mean, the, he shows up to the disciples. He yep. shows up to Paul. He shows up to 500 people at one time, which, again, that only strengthens. Like, if we're looking at this from, like, a legal standpoint like in a courtroom that's only going to strengthen your argument for your own validity or legitimacy because more people are eyewitnesses to it and then his own family who didn't his brother james who did not even believe in jesus during his life and ministry he shows up to him yeah and anyway so there's just more people that are saying the same thing Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you were, I mean, then we talk about the apostles too and their willingness to be martyred. So you guys, if you, spoiler, as you continue to read the New Testament here, you're going to be reading writings from these men who were close to Jesus in his walk and they were willing to die. And what really, so we haven't talked about this, really stuck out to me was when Matthew chapter 26, what did the disciples do? This is Matthew 26 verse 56. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. This is right when Jesus was arrested. Ooh. All the disciples fled when Jesus was arrested. Okay. But guess what? Now we're post-resurrection now in chapter 28. They're giving their testimony. They're like the new church, the early church is starting to form and beyond. And the disciples are willing to die and they do die for the message. They don't flee. Because they don't. Yeah. If you're telling a lie and you're about to get your head cut off or your arms going to get real off or you hung up on a cross (laughs) upside down, you and I are quickly going to go, okay, jokes over. Sorry, this did not happen. Forgive me. But instead, all of these men go rip my arms off, Mm -hmm. cut my head off, hang me on a cross upside down. I will joyfully die because this is real. 
Like that has Same. to bear some weight when you're trying to figure out if someone's telling the truth or not, mm-hmm. you know? And so the resurrection, like it hinges on everything. Jesus really died. He really resurrected and he's really coming again. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Um, I want to transition a little bit to that, that little part though, where the religious leaders and the Roman leaders are making up a story. It's like the first conspiracy theory ever. Yeah. Satan wants to muddy the waters. He mm-hmm. wants to make things really blurry. Mm-hmm. I believe like oftentimes when you spend time studying the scriptures, there are very few topics in this like in, that come from the Bible that are debatable, like, like really debatable yeah, because it's very clear. Mm. But what Satan's wanting to do is bring confusion mm-hmm. and bring chaos. And like first Corinthians talks about how God is a God of order and clarity mm. And so here, I just celebrate that that we have the testimony of right. the Marys, and we have the evangelists and the apostles that saw him, and then you have the 500 and mm-hmm. all the people who go out when they're given the option between life or death, they're like, no, this really happened. I'm going to die. I'm just praying that that clarity, that light would shine deep into our hearts, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Because mm-hmm. anytime things are blurry and muddy, bad stuff's happening. Mm-hmm. Um and we work through it, right? We work, we work through it, but we do so guided by the scriptures and uh, allow the scriptures to speak for themselves. So, Really, really and you, you wouldn't think that there wouldn't be like contention. Like Jesus was literally, you know, contending his entire life. Mm-hmm. Like think back to when he was born, you know, and Herod is like, dude, this guy's going down. Don't Kill, know who he is. Don't the, know where he is. Kind of know how old he know? is. He's yeah. going to go down. And so then well, that continues. And that doesn't, that doesn't just continue in Jesus in his life, but it's his legacy that's in us. And so yeah. even for us, like Clark's saying, like there's, there's contention, there's gray, there's blurry. And then that's when we turn back to the Lord, to the light. We turn our face to the light mm-hmm. and the scriptures and say, okay, show us, show us the truth. Remind us of the truth. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to add before we kind of get to the great commission? No. Okay. You catch me off guard lately. (laughs) What What I do, I got to keep you on your toes. I, I, no, I'm with you. I'm I'm ready. I I felt like you were dropping some profound knowledge on me earlier with the beginning of the chapter. Oh, are we starting? You want me to talk about that? Let's talk about that. Yeah. Now before we head to the end of the chapter. Oh, okay. I I was just, I've been praying. I've been praying. God, (laughs) I got to preach, you know, Christmas and Easter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to be here before I know it. I know it seems like it's months away for you, but when you're looking at sermon series and stuff, you're just constantly going, God, what do you have for us? What do you have for the church? And and Bobby brought up something today that really resonated with my heart that you might hear about more on Easter. <laughs> Spoiler. Yeah. Spoiler for Easter, you talk, guys. Talk to Who us knows? about the beginning of the chapter before we go much farther. Yeah, that's what stuck out to me, you guys, was how... so. It's hard to remember, but really not everything is talked about in every gospel. So we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and they each share, you know, what they're sharing. And so obviously the resurrection is in all of them and they share, you know, points in each one that are unique, but in all of them, the first two verses sound almost identical. And it's interesting that stuck out to me. So All of them sound something like this after Sabbath or at dawn of the first day of the week or the first day of the week very early in the morning or the first day of the week while it was still dark. That's verses one or verses one and two from all of the gospels. Mm. And it kind of 
um, was just resonating in this quote that I had read from Eugene Peterson. Yeah, Eugene Peterson. And he talks about how the Jews would mark time in a different way than we do. So the Jews would really use the sun. That's how they marked time and specifically the days. So if the sun set on Friday, you know, at 7 p.m., then Saturday started at 7.01. So right now we would use the the term, you know, midnight or 12.01. That's the beginning of the day. And so, you know, a little of the same, but different in that the Jews um, would literally not do anything at night because it was dark and it was nighttime. And so what is sticking out to me in this, you guys, um, is how, what was sticking out? I was so eloquent as I was saying Mm -hmm. it. Anyway, but how really God's at work and and he's doing stuff in the night while we're resting, while we're not doing anything. And so an aside here is God modeled rest for us um, in Genesis when he took Sabbath, not because he needed to rest, but that he knew we would need to rest. And like one of the Psalms that we talk about in our house is Psalm 121. Um, and it talks about, you know, who, where does our help come from? We lift our eyes to the hills. Our help comes from the Lord. And in that, verse 4 says that um, he who watches over Israel does not slumber or sleep. And you guys, so when we rest, our rest is an act of worship. And it's also an act of trust that we know that God's working when we're not. And the Sabbath is the clearest picture of that, that we can, that I can give you that anything, it's just a culmination of, of how really what happened here was Jesus died and then everyone fled or deserted or was trembling or was terrified and there was darkness Mm -hmm. and he did what we could never do. He did it. It's done. And then when these women show up in the very wee hours of the morning, the sun is coming. That's what the Bible tells us. All of them say that it was either dark or that the sunrise was right there. And it's as if the Lord is saying, it's time. I've completed the work. Partner with me now and do what I'm doing. And that's the invitation every 24 hours also that we get, we can rest. And so that's even difficult for us, resting and trusting and believing that God is working while we're sleeping. But then even metaphorically in this grander picture with the resurrection, knowing and understanding that it's done. This work that has been prophesied for years and years and years that we look back to in the Old Testament, it's done in Jesus. So we kind of talked about like Clark was talking about really um, concrete like evidence that the resurrection happened when we looked at, you know, historical documents and um, we mentioned that like the first four or five minutes of the podcast. But now what I'm talking about isn't just necessarily like the concrete evidence, but really the spiritual authority now that we're going to walk in um, in the Great Commission because of what Jesus has done. And it's not because of anything that we did. And it was actually, um, it was actually a total gift. You know, it was, it was actually grace. And so anyway, not a fluid way of saying it, but that's what stuck out to me is that all of these, um, all of these writers chose to let us know that the first Easter, the mm-hmm. first sun, S-O-N, rise, and really the last one that we ever need, the Lamb of God, um, is one that we actually get a partner in now because it's time and he's because Jesus started. did it. He was already working yeah. in the night. Yeah. I didn't say that well. You did. And you're going to all hear it again at Easter because this is how I preach. I talk to my wife. The Holy Spirit moves. 
And it'll be better when like, you say it. No, but we'll continue to talk about <laughs> it. It's good. really good. Like, it's like he who began the good work in you is going to bring it about into completion. That's true for us as individuals, but it's also true for us within this meta narrative in the story of Earth's history. Right. God began it. Yes. Sin wrecked it. God's yeah. redeeming it. And he's inviting us into that redemptive process. And I mm-hmm. love it. And so when this passage ends, and you know, the last couple of verses of chapter 28, it talks about how Jesus is going to ascend. And he's talking about the authority that he has because he's the one who resurrected by the mm-hmm. Spirit of God. And now what he says here is, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, as surely as I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I want to end today talking about authority. Authority um, can be a slippery slope because it has been abused in the church. Mm -hmm. People say, God told me. I had a dream and and I am for sure it means Mm -hmm. this. And then sometimes when that stuff does not come to fruition, it doesn't help or it ends up being very hurtful for people. And so we kind of shy away from that authority. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if I want to do that. Like when I talk to Pastor Johnny or Pastor Richard, it seems like that's that's a battle that a lot that they face often within uh, the Latino community. Um, is like, mm-hmm. hey, what does it mean to be guided by the by empowered by the Spirit, but guided by the Scriptures? Mm-hmm. Because saying God told me, period, can be really hurtful and dangerous. It doesn't mean it can't happen. Yeah. But the way in which we approach that, with the authority t- point of topic, has to be done carefully. Now, on the flip side of that coin is the other side of the spectrum, where we st- we stay away from this whole conversation of authority. We're just good Christian boys and girls, men and women that just read our Bibles and do Bible study, and that's that's it. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, God has authority. God gave that Father gave that authority to Jesus, and Jesus has imparted that authority to you if you're a Christian, mm-hmm. and you need to hold on to it. You need to live into it, because otherwise, we're missing out on what God's called us to do. So, here, going back in John, I was just reading some of what Jesus said before this. Like, here's John twelve. Okay. Um, Sorry, John 14, verse 12 through 14. He says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Meaning, I'm going to go up into heaven. I'm going to send my spirit to empower you with my authority, that you will go in my authority and keep doing what I'm doing. So it says, I'll do whatever you ask in my name, so the Father might be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Well, that comes down to God's will, God's desire. What do the scriptures say? We're guided by the word of God and simultaneously empowered by the spirit of God. If you look later on, this is John's account of of the resurrection when he comes to the uh, apostles. It says this, on the evening of that first day of the week, like we're just talking about, when the disciples were together and the doors were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he Mm -hmm. said this, he showed them his hands on his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And Jesus again said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Mm -hmm. And then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Because when you look at Jesus' ministry and what he is doing, Jesus is calling us to do what he did. And here's what Jesus did. Jesus reconciled people to God. Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. Jesus made disciples. That is what we're doing. Mm. It's not by our authority. It's not by our power. It's by God's. But God is calling us to tell people about what Jesus has done so they can be reconciled. 
He's telling, he's calling us to confront evil in this world. He's calling us to make disciples and teach them the way of Christ. If yeah. we do any of that in our own power, we are up a creek. You have to have the power of God or we are wasting our time. And so here are the four methods he uses to accomplish those things. Preach the gospel, heal the sick, prophesy over people, and deliver them from demons. Mm. Again, are you doing that in your own power? Am I? Yeah. Absolutely not. But if we're going to take this whole Christianity following Jesus seriously, you got to take authority seriously. He has given you his authority to continue to go. Yeah. But it's empowered by the Spirit and guided by the Scriptures unto the glory of God. And so I wanted to end with that and give that to you today as we head into the weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm praying the Lord meets you in these Scriptures and uh, prepare your hearts for Sunday. We're excited to worship. And um, any final thoughts on your end, Bobby, before we wrap up? No, thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, we're jumping into Hebrews after this. So uh, one and two on the weekend, and then Hebrews chapter three on Monday. We'll be with you in the studio. Thanks so much for listening. God bless you guys. The Lord bless you and keep you. Don't make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give him his peace. Have a great day.